0: y'all this is Christy here and um you know another week has gone by and we don't have HBCU band and I still feel a certain kind of way about that um but I'm I'm making do uh just to you know try to do other projects around my house things that I would usually be be putting off to the side because I'd be going to somebody's game I'm able to take care of now so about um, this time last month, I was on the New York Times website just reading, perusing as one does, and I came across an article about HBCUs and their homecoming, and Um, What the reporter was saying was that they were collecting stories for HBCU's homecoming and people could submit their memories because, of course, we have COVID going on. So nobody's really able to have a homecoming this year. But, you know, we still want to remember the good times and so, you know, I thought just, okay, I'll give it a shot. I'll submit um, a memory. And a memory that I submitted was about how, you know, my parents marched in A.T.'s band and um, that's how they met. And then they had me and they had been marching an alumni band for 40 years. And um, I ended up marching with them um, and I, I submitted it just like, okay, well, you know, if they accept it, good. If they don't, good, that's fine. Well, come to find out they did accept it. <laughs> so um, today is October eleventh, and it is in um, the New York Times. It's in the style section. Um, my, I was quoted in in the article, and um, actually, my submission and my picture of myself and my parents, um, we're listed right under, uh, Senator Kamala Harris's, uh, comment. So, you know, she made a comment being that, you know, she's a HBCU alum. She went to Howard university. And so, you know, mine is right there under hers, which is kind of cool and kind of weird at the same time. So, um, I, you know, that is what's going on in my world as far as HBC band goes. But um, now what I'd like to do is share with you my conversation that I had with a very dear friend of mine. Um, I wanted to get his perspective on what it was like um, not only to march um, in a band. Uh, he, he was a trombone player. Um, But I wanted to also get his perspective because he is a head arranger at a program, uh, HBCU, and he's also arranged for other institutions, other um, uh, PWIs, the most well-known being Florida State University, and um, it is my dear friend of over 20 years, Warren Shaw, um, who is the uh, arranger at Clark Atlanta University he marched for Alabama State and so without further ado let me just play this um interview that I had with him oh and before I get into it really um, I just want to give you all a heads up that uh there were you may hear some sounds in the background um there may be some spots that it may not be 100% clear uh so but I don't think that it distracts from the interview itself so anyway enough of me here's the interview
1: so, hey, Warren, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing well.
1: That's good. That's good. Okay, so I'm really glad to have you here um, to talk about your experiences as, well, first of all, your experiences of marching in the band and also um, your role as an assistant director at Clark Atlanta and then also um, an arranger. So, I guess I want to ask you, um, how did you, you know, how did you get started? Like, tell me your background, like your your hometown, uh, you know, what made you choose your instrument? Can Let's talk about that a little bit.
2: Well, I am from Macon, Georgia. Um, I didn't really get started musically, even though my dad played a lot of music At his home, I really didn't get into band until seventh grade or, well, I I have to go back. I did uh, general music class in seventh grade, and I had perfect scores in the music class. So the band director decided to start pulling people from his general music class and putting them in the band to learn instruments because he was needing more people to be in the band. So okay. originally I wanted to start on Alto Sax. Oh, I didn't that know that. Yeah, you know, that was one of my dad's favorite instruments, so but he had enough saxophones in the band and then I wanted to go to drums and of course he had plenty of drums. Mm-hmm. So I ended I ended up on trombone because he only had at the time four trombones mm-hmm. in his entire program. So um when I first got the instrument, I had never really seen it before, so I didn't know which end was up. I didn't know how to. Put. I didn't know. I needed a mouthpiece at the time. I had all the stuff in my instrument, but I didn't know like that. I put it together, and I was like, "Okay, so how does this work again?" <laughs> but uh, but by uh, like I started uh, in September of 1987, just playing. Oh. I like, I was I was last chair, of course. Were you but really? I, I mean, I didn't know how to play, so I had to start somewhere. Okay, okay. So I was one of those ones that practiced day and night driving my parents crazy. <laughs> By February of 88, I made first chair.
1: Wow, wow. Well, you know, Warren and I – Warren we go back 20 years and you were one of my closest friends and I never knew that about you. So thank you for sharing that.
2: <laughs> oh, no problem.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about, okay, so you, you're playing through, through seventh grade, eighth grade, you get to high school and let's talk about like your, your college choice. So what made you want to go and, and tell the people where you um went to school as far as um college and yeah let's talk about that a little bit
2: okay so i went to alabama state university and the way i ended up picking that was there was a college fair at the macon mall so i went with one of my friends and we just started picking out you know just going to the different colleges to uh just apply, and Alabama State was one of my favorites because my best friend and I, Willie Hollis, we were always uh, we had watching all the old B team games. Yeah, and now we saw the Alabama States, the southerns the FAMU, yeah, and so on and so so on and so forth. Um, so I we ended up applying. I ended up applying, and they accepted me, and I ended up writing the essay. Um, for a presidential scholarship, and I was selected.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. So let's let's forward to to Bama State. You get to Bama State. It's your first band camp. Like like you know, walk me through that. Did you know? Did you have some people from your high school there?
2: Or I mean, like, what was that about? Absolute culture shock. <laughs> in what way? Because just being in the band from. Uh, in Macon at Northeast High School, you know we were just used to a certain kind of way. And I, you know, coming from being as a section leader, pretty much one of the best players in the band, to coming to Alabama State just to kind of see that yeah, you got a lot, a lot of people that can play as well as you. And plus, it was a uh, definitely a larger band because I had seen them in '91 at the Bronze Classic in Atlanta, and that really helped kind of fuel my love for Alabama State. But just to see how big that band was and then coming into it, I was just like, from being in about a 50-piece band to about a 250-piece band, I was just like, whoa. Whoa, uh, whoa. Well,
1: so how many, Um, you can, you know, give me a ballpark, how many people were in the trombone section like your first year?
2: My first year, it was 23.
1: Okay, that's a good size. That's a good size. So, um, can you talk to me about like some of the games? And this just doesn't have to be from from freshman year, but like, can you talk about some of the games that stood out to you that you're like, you know, when you think when you think back about it, when you when you tell your when you talk to your grandkids, these are gonna these are gonna be the games that that you tell them about.
2: I have three games in particular that were stand out to me. My freshman year, 1992, one of the first games I marched was the Circleville City Classic versus Central State. Okay. That was the Gerald and Eddie LeVert game. And I felt like we had a flawless show.
1: What do you mean the, the Ger- Ger- Gerald, and El- Gerald and Eddie LeVert? Like you played a LeVert show or were they actually there?
2: <laughs> um Dr. Oliver brought out Gerald and Eddie LaVert to sing for six hours. Oh, oh my God.
1: Wow.
2: And we had done an Africa motif show where we made the continent of Africa on the field. We had the thing dressed up as African nations. We had just an awesome show, but when Gerald and Eddie LaVert came out, the crowd lost
1: it. Right, because they're from Ohio anyway.
2: Right. Um, Yeah, Mm
1: mm-hmm. In central states in Ohio.
2: Right. 93. Um, first game that year was versus Southern University. Okay. That was probably one of the probably one of the worst blowouts I've ever faced in my life. Just we weren't really prepared for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't see them in 92 because we didn't go to Southern but we played them in Mobile for the old Gulf Coast class. And it's just like we had a good halftime show, but then we found out why Southern was called the human jukebox, and they just kept playing song after song after song. And then by the time we got to the fifth quarter, we were doing stand routines against full songs. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was bad. I'm sure that was not pretty. <laughs> not. And then the last one was 94 back in Mobile against Texas Southern. At this time, Texas Southern, you remember the story about them going uh, to Japan and stealing, and the band was pretty much gone for, like, a couple of years. That was the year they came back. They probably had a good 80 to 90 people. That fifth quarter lasted about three hours. Three hours? Like, we were going song for song. And then like by the time we left it was one thirty in the morning.
1: Wow. See, you know what? I love those kind of stories because I think the newer band heads don't realize that this happened back in the day. So I'm glad you I'm glad you're pointing out that game. Um so yeah. Oh wow, that's that's crazy. One in the morning. And no repeats? Woo, okay. And that was your first game was that the first game of the season? So you had all that no, in your bad. book?
2: No, that was midway through the season. That was before we played, like Madison Classic that year. So we was like, we mm-hmm. had that game, and then we had a couple of games to get ready for Alabama A and M.
1: Okay, okay. So y'all were in your prime that year. Like you had, you know how it is. At the beginning of season, your book ain't that full, and then you know. But by then, you were you were re- you were ready. Woo. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's talk about like, you know, we talked about games and just your experiences marching. If you can tell me something general about your experiences marching for Alabama, about Alabama State, like what what was it like? The when you do you look back fondly on your time in the band.
2: Yeah, those were some good times in the band. Um uh, we did go through a director change uh in 95 cuz Danny Davis He decided to step down, so we ended up with Dr. Harold Bray. Um, And that was a culture shot to the band because he was trying to implement a lot of things that weren't traditional to that state, and he was catching a lot of heat from band alumni as well as current members of the band. We lost a good bit of members that year because, you know, Bray was one of those ones that's my way or the highway. Mhm. Okay. So we okay. uh so my last couple years like I, said, I I had I had good times in the band overall but if I were to prefer my best years it would be 92 through 94. Those are my my first 3 years in the band and just had a ball. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay. So you graduate with your with your degree um I did. in, in math. Right. Yes, yes. I just wanted to make sure the people knew that come on STEM grad. Black man, STEM grad, okay. And so I think when you and I met, we start. You were, um, you were assistant at Clark Atlanta, which you are now. Let's talk about how you got connected with Clark.
2: Okay, which means we have to go back to after I graduated, I went back home to Augusta, uh, because that's where my parents were at the time. I um uh, was. I was basically just working like a Jamaican. I had like three jobs. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, I was substitute teaching. I was tutoring at a church, and then I was working overnight at a uh, food line. So, And then at, and then Moonlight as assistant director of bands at uh, Glen Hills High School, which, and the irony of that is, the band director was a Bama State grad, and I went to school at Alabama State with both of his daughters. So that's how all of those connections worked themselves back in. Okay. So I was tired of basically working all these jobs for no money. So I started applying to graduate schools in uh, Atlanta, uh, Tennessee State. Uh, So I got accepted into Georgia State, and I was like, at the same time, my best friend at the time, Yvette, uh, we marched together. So she helped me find a job up there. It was ironic because I got the job that her boyfriend at the time was fired from. Huh? Right. So ended up having my little money saved up, moved to Atlanta in March of 1998. I was doing grad school and working at the time. Then I was, it was the 4th of July, I ran into Back in that time, they had the uh, Salute to America parade in downtown Atlanta, and that was my first time seeing the Precision Camp, which was uh, a combination of like all of the high schools from Metro Atlanta and beyond. And I ran mm-hmm. into Cedric Young, who I knew from uh, who I knew from Alabama State because he was working on his master's at the time that I was at Alabama State. So we, thought, we talked for a minute, and then he told me that he had just got the job at Clark Atlanta. So mm-hmm. I i had been arranging on the side just for like a couple of high schools since 1994. So I was like, I always told him I'd bring some of my stuff by. So August of 98, uh, I made it to his first band camp. Uh, we had Isaac Bell who ended up mentoring me a lot on my arrangements and uh just little nuances, uh, William Irvin, mm-hmm. James Camp, guy rest his Uh so we had a nice little staff there. So, um I just kind of filtered myself into The uh, band, for the first two years, I wasn't getting paid, but I was a lot, you know, I was traveling with them, uh, but I was still being recognized as one of the arrangers, because, like, Isaac Bell, he had his niche as far as doing a lot of the older stuff, and then I would come in starting to do some of the younger stuff, like, what what most of the younger kids wanted to hear, so. Right, right. So just – from like nineteen ninety eight, I have pretty much been there ever since.
1: And you have definitely been there and done that. I mean, I remember one time you were announcing you're the chief arranger. Of, um, of course, you you know when you and I would hang out all the time. When I would get go to Atlanta, um, you you were like the jack of all trades. I feel like um, so, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I have worn many hats within this band program. Like, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So let's go about, Let's talk about your arranging. You touched on that a little bit. Uh, what got you into arranging? You said you've been doing it since 94?
2: Well, I was doing it. Well, I can I can go all the way back to 1990 with uh, my high school band. So my high school band, we were playing stuff like Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, Pepsi's Got Your Taste for Life, mm-hmm. uh, Crown Imperial, we were playing a whole lot of stock arrangements. We had all black bands and a white band director. Okay. So we were trying to do some stuff to just try and uh, add a little flavor because the only time we ever got any music that we liked would be when, uh, like my uh, friend Eric Bell, he had marched in the program before, he would bring us music from – he brought music from like the first FAMU summer band camp, so okay. we did that show. So like anytime we played like Southwest High School, which was our rival back then, we would pull out that kind of show because they were always the ones that was doing all the uh, all the new hip hop stuff, so on and so forth. And um, after that, we were just like, so my me and my best friend Willie Hollins, we were starting to play around with stuff in the band room, so. I, like, just basically, I just started uh, looking at music and seeing how it, you know, how it worked and whatnot. I didn't know pretty much what what I was doing, but writing out the stuff by hand. So, first arrangement we ended up playing at my high school. We did Jackson State version of Get Rich. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> right, we did that in the Cherry Blossom Parade, so, because we needed some more stuff to march to, so, we ended up doing that, so it it ended up coming off better than I thought. I I didn't know, I had no theory knowledge at the time. I was just going by what we saw on BET because, like, we had videotapes at the time. Like every time the halftime shows would come off of BET, we would record. Yep, I'm with you there. <laughs> So that's how I kind of got into arranging, and then if we just we can fast forward, just like I started learning some stuff, messing around in the computer lab at Alabama State. That's when I first started learning uh, music time, which was a precursor to encore. So I started learning uh, the different notes. Arante Frazier, he was up there helping me because he was a music major at the time, and then I was learning also early on from uh, Ralph Chapman. He came in in 95, so when he started working up in the computer lab, he was starting to show me little things here and there. And I was just starting to study arrangements so I could start learning different little nuances and stuff like that. But then Chapman, he taught me, you know, the different things about theory and so on and so forth. So Mm -hmm. what finally – go ahead.
1: No, 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 I'm sorry. Don't mean to cut across. Go ahead. You finish.
2: Okay. So what finally ended up really probably taking me to the next level, I had a one-on-one sit-down with Lindsey Sargent. Wow. How did you arrange that? So Bandcamp, Precision Bandcamp 2000 was hosted at Clark Atlanta. All right. I remember that. So at that time, he came in. And we did a, basically an impromptu, an impromptu arrangement seminar. It was me, Ralph Freeman, um, Kevin Shepard, and a couple other guys. So he pulled us. We pulled. He pulled us into this room, and we basically talked about arranging voice settings and you know what makes a good arrangement. We talked. To, we had like about two hour conversation. Mm-hmm. Then, like, and then, like, I said, it, it just helped me start learning a lot of different things, and I, that ranges. He gave us a handout about voices. I still have it to this day. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm sure that's something worthy of keeping. Right. So after that seminar, I went and did just got the way. Okay.
1: Oh right. I remember. You know what? Now okay, now it's getting in focus to me because I remember when when you did um that Jill Scott arrangement. So let let me let me ask you this. Cuz you you you've branched out like you don't just arrange for HBCUs, which I mean, I know you 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 arrange for high schools, um HBCUs, but then you also um, did some arranging for Florida State. And so I wanted to know a little bit about how, you know, how you all connected, um, how your arranging business expanded. And if you could talk
2: a little bit more about that, um, I'd love to hear it. Okay. Okay. So one of my high school class at the time, Gabriel Arnold, he was at at that time he was at Pepperbrook High School. So I, I had been arranging for him. Then he left, come to find out. He went and was working on his doctorate at Florida State. Florida State was a good band. But like I said, they had never really played anything kind of outside the norm, outside of the typical war chant and so on and so forth. So Gabriel Arnold at the time was over one of the pep bands. So he talked to Dr. David Plack at the uh, and you know he wanted to try one of my try one two of my arrangements with the pet band. So the first arrangement I sent Florida State was Ti Whatever You Like. Okay, okay. And then just after that, like he they played it and the band was like, Wow! So we uh, ended up just that partnership was formed probably about. Uh, six years ago. Okay. So through Florida State, I have really expanded just more high schools. I've actually done some more for, like, the colleges for their pep bands. I've done for Xavier. I've done Duquesne. I've done Kent State in Ohio. So, like, through my relationship with Florida State, that has gotten me to some other colleges as well that people don't necessarily hear my stuff from, but, mm-hmm. but my stuff has been played by them. So I owe a lot to Dr. Gabriel Arnold and to Dr. David Play because any time that, uh, like the stuff that the pep band has played, and then it eventually expanded to the marching chiefs as a whole when they played my arrangement Talking Outside of Your Neck. So
1: Which they still anytime, play, don't they?
2: Which they still play. So. Yeah at that point, that's when, you know, I can always go and say, like, okay, you hear them playing that? That's mine. And it it makes me proud to say that I can, like, I play something for, like, a power, you know, power five school, so. Right. Um, So, like I said, but that just helped me kind of expand into some other areas, because like I said, just recently, one of his uh, recent graduates has a high school band, so, um, he knew me from, you know, Dr. Platt, um, uh, recommended me him to him, so like I said we're getting ready to see how we can nurture that relationship, and just been pretty much going strong ever. Like, like, really, I, like, when I started my, the business in, like, 2000, I pretty much been going strong, so, like, business-wise, this is going into year 20.
1: Wow. But, I mean, it, it makes sense because I've known you that long, but still, wow. <laughs> so, um, you know, I just want to ask, like, a couple more questions about arranging. Um, what, is, what is your approach when you go into arranging? Like, I, I know that, uh, you know, directors or students will say, oh, well, we want such and such song arranged. Like, I mean, what do you do? Do you listen to the song like 50 times so you can get every little note um, and then you just get to work? Like, tell me that process.
2: Okay, so normally once the song is presented to me, I will, I have a couple of little tricks of the trade that I like to use. Like one, first of all, I'll listen to the original song. I'll probably listen to it. About fifty times. Okay.
1: Then, I was just joking when I said that, but um, apparently, <laughs> apparently I was spot on.
2: <laughs> no, I, I listened to it a lot to like until it's pretty much kind of ingrained in my head. Then I well, and, and you can do it easier now. You got to think back in those days you couldn't do it. I find the instrument. Okay. Because you hear a lot of things in the song, but, like, if you've got somebody singing or doing something over the actual song itself, you want to hear the instrumental to see if there's any little nuances that you've got going on. Okay. And then I go to, and this is a, another little neat trick for you too, like, a lot of times they have piano versions of the songs out there okay so i will I will listen to the piano version, and I have a keyboard here at the house that like I'll like listen to that and start playing the chords along and the bass line along with the song so I can start trying to uh pick up patterns and normally if you hear a lot of these songs nowadays, four to eight bars, they're really repetitious. So as long as you have followed the pattern, you pretty much have an idea of the song. And then listening to a lot of these songs, they are in keys that are not necessarily typical for bands to play. So you got to figure out what's best for the band that you're writing for at the time, because you try not to do the same thing for the same band. So, like, do do they play, like, do you want the band to sound happy or in a brighter key, or do you want them to sound have a darker sound? And that usually, like, with your flat keys, that's where you have the uh, darker sound. And then, like, the less flats you have, it sounds brighter, it sounds happy. So it just depends on the group that you're working. Right. So okay. yeah, after, that, after that, I'm going to kind of, like, I go into layers. I try to uh, I figure out the baseline, uh, like I said, what works best, and then I will do the chords after that, if if there are any. Sometimes with a lot of the songs out there, there's not really a whole lot of chords out there, so you have to kind of go with what the baseline has going on. Then, <laughs> Was
1: that shade? <laughs> Was that Loki shade?
2: <laughs> just a good. Okay. Okay. What? But just trying to, uh, w- when you fit your chords in there to make sure that they fit right, um, then I would do the melody to put on top of that. Then i come back and do, like, the underlying stuff and doing counter melodies and seeing, uh, you know, what else really would fit in the song. I try to stay as close to the song as possible because, you, let's just be perfectly honest, you have some arrangers out there that like to take liberties, and add little extra things. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but just try to stay as true to the song as possible so your audience directs. Right. Okay. Okay.
1: So um, we're going to get ready to wrap things up, but I wanted to know if you had any advice for the future arrangers. Um <laughs> You know, do you, or, or do you have, like, a funny story or interesting story surrounding one of your arrangements or, uh, you know, any last-minute last parting words?
2: To all the arrangers out there, the easiest thing I can say for you is to find your own voice when it comes to arranging. We have a lot of arrangers out there that are all starting to me sound the same. So what I would, like, Find your own voice as far as, you know, like I said, there's a reason that, you know, we do theory and uh, counterpoint and form analysis. There's reasons that we do that as far as trying to make sure that we develop the song as close as possible. Like, if you know you only have, like, 30 people in your band, don't try to write an arrangement in the style of a Southern University or a Jackson State that has 200, 250 people, go for your own voice and go for what you know.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, I think that's good. I guess we will wrap it up there. And uh, I'm so glad you were able to join me. (laughs) Warren is one of my special buddies. We've known each other for years. You're, You're very special to me, so thank you for doing this.
2: Hey, no problem. Yeah, I'm glad
1: to do it.